Hello and welcome to Real Men Feel. I am your host, Andy Grant. Uh, what am I? I'm an energy coach and Akashic Record reader. I, I founded Real Men Feel earlier this year to give men a space to, to really encourage and allow for all of their emotions. Um, in, in my past, I've dealt with suicidal thoughts and depression for years. And a, a lot of the time I, I thought as a man, as a, I was not supposed to feel things, I was not supposed to express the things I was going through. And I was glad to learn that's, that's a lot of bullshit. So uh, this show, we also have a Facebook group called Real Men Feel. Um, I do workshops called To Be a Man, where I live in Massachusetts, um, all coming together to give men a safe place to, fail, to feel, to share, to express. Um, with me, as always, this week is my friend and co-host, Apio Hunter. Greetings. It's so good to see you guys. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where, where you are on my screen. You are out to my left on my screen. Yeah. Yep. And I, I, learned, I learned from prior shows, not just about pointing at squares, because the replay then means of some other position on the replay. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. So, and, and like, joining, so hey. Joining us this week is Pete Casaboon, uh, a.k.a. the Angel Encourager. And Pete, you're in, you're in Alabama, right? I'm in Huntsville, Alabama. Cool, cool, cool. And God, today we're going to talk about everyday spirituality. And, and, and so with that as the, as the kickoff... One thing I want to ask you, Pete, to start off is, have you always been into spirituality? Have you had an everyday practice since a very young age? No, I have not. <laughs> um, I guess I would say about, um, it was about 10 years ago. I have to, I, I'm a really bad with time sometimes. And time is, you know, time is whatever. But yeah, about 10 years ago, um, I was a total creature of fear. And I went through what I call my dark night of the soul Although I think you go through many stages of dark nights of the soul, but I went through, I guess I would say my major one. And it was this time period in my life where um, I basically had self-destructed my life and I basically lost everything that I thought was important. I mean, I had no friends, no family, no job, um, absolutely nothing left except to be my own authentic self. And I met somebody and I told them that I had met every fear except for one. And he said, do you know why? And I said, no. And he said, because you've been focusing on them your entire life. And that's where I like to say I met the universe because I realized how true that was that you could literally write a movie script from my fears. That's exactly what had happened. And so I began a journey of really finding out what spirituality was really about, what the universe was really about, what our role in this life and this universe and this whole paradigm really is. And it's been it's been a um, it's been a gradual climb, although I think as everyone knows, it's almost like a sine curve. You know, it's a, you go you go up and then you go down. You, but each time you go down, your trough isn't quite as low as it was the time before. And each time you go up, of course, you go up a little bit higher to where your stable point. You know, right now my lowest point is higher than my highest point was at, at any one time. So I have my low moments, and it's interesting because I'm actually kind of in a low moment right now in some aspects of my life. So I think this is a really great time to have the show because we're going to get some really great raw feelings from me, the angel encourager. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> I hope that was a short. We'll squeeze you tight to get those out of you. <laughs> I'm very excited. Awesome. awesome. <laughs> So, so mentioning the angel encourager, can you can you describe what what exactly that means a little? 
Yeah, so I um, it, about three years ago, I met a lady in a in a group that uh, was a uh, angel intuitive medium, and I said to her, I said, "Oh, I'd like to learn how to do that. I think it'd be cool to be intuitive." Well, <laughs> second lesson, she stops and she says, "I can't teach you anymore." And I said, "Why?" And she said, "Because you're already doing it." And I just gave her this kind of like one of those puppy dog looks, like, "What do you mean?" And then before I knew it, people were like emailing me and calling me and messaging me, and and, and just all this stuff was just happening. And people would be like, "That's so weird." I like imagine being the one doing it and not having a clue how you're doing it you know and then about a year later I started working with another uh, medium and same thing happened second second lesson she stopped and she said I have no more to teach you and I said why she said because you're more powerful than I am and I just was like what do you mean I'm more powerful than you? I, you know for me I'm just a great allower and so I trained as an angel intuitive medium but to be honest with you about six months ago I told spirit that I no longer wanted to do the medium work I just didn't feel ready for it. I felt like it was too much at one time. I felt like too much was coming at me and um, I had some kind of negative energies come to me that I really had to really kind of work through and I thought I really just want to really really connect with my angels you know and really get more into that work and, and really feel it and here recently I've had a, a big career change uh, and that was really a pinnacle moment for me because I had been trying so hard to make my spiritual work uh, really support me uh, you know, in my daily life that I actually almost sort of shut it down. I was putting so much pressure on it. So I basically now am a car salesman and um, I really had to come to this, this, I, the spirit really kind of gave to me this, this knowing that you can express your spirituality in no matter what you do. And so that's absolutely what I do. And it's so interesting because about a week ago I was doing my little shtick um, and I had a customer actually turn to me who I was talking to somebody else and they turned to me and they said, are you a chaplain? And I thought, hmm, I'm doing it right. And it's so interesting to me how most of the people I sell a car to, the most successful sales I have are people that literally walk up to me and tell me they want to go look at a car. I mean, I'm not even approaching them. Of course, I'm approaching people, but it's usually the people are coming literally up to me and saying this. And it's like, who does that happen to? You know, it happens to people that are connected. So <laughs> it's been very interesting. <laughs> cool. cool, cool, cool. Yeah, it's always, it's always, well, I was going to say it's always fun, but it's not always fun, but it's always an experience <laughs> where, where spirit, where life, where intuition leads you next. Mm -hmm. because, right. And so I've, I've had personal experience working with Pete and, and Appio, I believe you have too? I have, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and working with Pete, connecting with angels, it was unlike anything. Like I've met other people that you know talk to angels and get messages, but but you you really seem to like feel whatever the person you're dealing with is feeling, and you have to like hold it and then and get rid of it somehow. And it was just a very visceral, wild experience when I had that. And so I can imagine them you saying, "No, I'm, I've had enough of this. And can we can we ease it back a little bit?" Yeah, it was. It's like it's one thing to hold uh, energy for a live person. It's completely a different, a different um, experience to hold that energy for a, a, a. I guess I'd say a dead person, as Abraham Hicks would say. They don't mind a croaked person, however you want to put it. You know, someone, someone that's transitioned. It's completely different because they don't have the same parameters. They don't have the same um, etiquette, as a great way to put it. You know, um, because in, even the. Even the well, I mean, I, I don't really have clients come to me that are, you know, really horrible people. But, you know, I mean, even even anybody that's living, there is a certain I, I, etiquette's almost the, the best way I could put it. There's, a, there's only so much you're going to do in an energy situation, whereas with, you know, people that have crossed over, a lot of times they don't know 
how powerful they really are, how much energy they really can send you. And it can get very overwhelming. I mean, I've actually had physical manifestations, you know, like days later in my own body to the point of where I actually went to the doctor about it, you know, knowing full well what it was, but at the same time being mindful enough of, I probably need to get checked out. And so that was just a bit, a bit much for me. And <laughs> um, I mean, I've had the experience of, of actually um, deceased people actually sort of like stepping in and I can, I can feel that they're the ones looking out and the person I'm speaking to can like oh my god you know my dad is talking to me right now or whatever so and i mean it's great to be that connection but i just at this point in my life i just don't feel quite ready to handle that i don't know so i think that's about me honoring myself you know what i mean sure. that's always important to do is to honor yourself not only you know to honor those that you're working with but to honor yourself as well especially when you're doing a lot of that type of energy work um i guess you saw the question that just came up from uh, simon but how do you advise people who are worried, worried about who that. are worried about it? Well, I think yeah. it's really about finding a really kind of realizing what our entire role here is on Earth. You know, we're simply the divine expressing ourselves in these human sacks. You know, that's all we are. So with the concept of death is simply about, you know, us reverting back into all that is. So I have really no fear about that because you're just going to go back into your fuller expression. And I think it's that. I think it's that fear of the unknown that, that comes up, that fear of, you know, what is it going to be like? What is this experience? Because, you know, like, like what is it, Marilyn, uh, I can't remember her name, but you're going to know it. She says, we're not afraid of our darkness, we're afraid of our light. You know what I mean? So even with death, we're not afraid of really stepping out of these human sacks. We're afraid of stepping back into all that we are. You know, I think it's more, it really, that's what the fear really is. So I, th I think it's about really owning who you truly are and what this experience is really all about. This is a master's class. We're here, you know, typically to expand not only us, but the entire universe. So this is just play. I mean, to the, uh, to I, I forget which Indian tribe it is, but they say that, you know, life is the dream and the dream is reality. You know what I mean? So it's when you start flipping the coin on, stop making this life so darn important. I mean, it's just, you know, <laughs> it's, it really just is a space for you to grow and learn and expand all that is. And, and that's really about expanding, you know, the universe as a whole, which when you die, I believe you go back into. So for me, that strips the fear away from it because, you know, it's, it's really, I think it's, I think it's uh, fear is a way of holding us back from our own divinity. I think you either, you either, accept your divinity or you accept your limitations and to me that is really what sin is is really limiting the, your own divinity trying to come through because if you are part of the divine well the divine is universal the divine is limitless the divine has no limits on itself so you putting limits on yourself and through fear is really a way of downgrading the divine which you know if you think about that, that's kind of you know right. yeah. if you think death is the end well yeah it could be scary but if you start to realize oh it's right. just another part of the bigger scope right. that we're in and you know there's something else that i'd like to toss in there and that's from the physiological standpoint now these things that are in our heads these processors are very very good at keeping us alive mm -hmm. and you know oftentimes when we're thinking about just from a purely physical aspect from a purely survival that survival instinct which is which is inherent in, in these brains that we have you know that fear of death is is um, is very visceral it's very <coughs> instinctual and when we're focused on on just the physical existence not necessarily aware of our of our expanded spiritual selves and that connection that we have to to all that is to to the universe if you will then of course that 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 fear you're going to experience it that much more intensely 
Cool. Right. And I want to welcome Simon. And uh, thanks for coming. Hey, man. Thanks for letting me in. Yeah. Um, well, I am obviously asked that question yet. Yeah, I am quite scared of death. Death kind of terrifies me. And I think maybe the only answer to that is you, you can only get over your fear of, of death if you believe that there's maybe something after after death. But uh, that's not necessarily what you guys are saying, are you? I mean, um, you're not religious, so this is a spiritual. I mean, there's a difference, right? Yeah, there is. Yeah, so definitely have that difference. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. Well, I'll just speak for myself. Yeah, I don't. I don't have some specific belief of a, a good or bad place. Like much like Pete said, I believe you know we return to our our immortal soul nature. We return just back to to pure energy. Right? But do you believe your consciousness as we know it now ends in that sense? Mm. No, I think our consciousness, as we know it, expands into a bigger consciousness. But you know, the 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 common stories of you know the life, your life flashing before your eyes and seeing the white light. So I, I don't believe like we lose all of that we've gained. I, I believe in the next phase that we we know everything and then we get it's, it's like it becomes a joke. You you let go of all that you were scared about and like oh my god, I was worried about that and it didn't even mean anything and you know. It's 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 the big realization that you aren't just this this bag of meat, you know. You're not the random chemicals that perhaps you know doctors or scientists tell you at some point, but you're, you're just much bigger than that. And it's, it's almost like death, as we see, it, is more of a welcome home. Well, yeah, the way I look at it, Simon, I see uh, all that is is like this huge gem, and I think I see each one of us as like a facet on this gem, and each one of us refracts the light in our own special way. And combined is the whole gem. So I, I think that you just kind of go back into that seeing the entire light rather than just seeing your refraction of it from where you are, if that makes any sense. So you don't think it's like going to a time before you were born? Well, it's almost like, uh, for some reason, I keep thinking, I don't know how old y'all are, but I, I keep thinking of that commercial with the palm olive where the woman's soaking in it. And, and she says, but what about the palm olive? And she says, you're soaking it. We were already in all that is it's just that we only have the viewpoint you know from where we are right at this this moment so i don't think there's really anything to go back into it's almost like looking at a drop of water out of the ocean you know what i mean and it's it's both a single drop and it's a holographic map of all that is at the same time so it's both it's a both one thing and all things at the same time i know that sounds like some kind of weird cagey way to really kind of go around it but i, I think you're actually in it, right? And I don't think there's really a thing to really kind of go back into. It's about becoming more consciously aware of all that is. And I believe that you can slowly become more consciously aware, even in this human body. I mean, I think that's part of what our expansion is, you know what I mean, is to become more aware of of really all that surrounds us, around us in any one now, you know what I mean, which there is only one now. <laughs> Did that make any sense at all? I'm confused. <laughs> I, I, I actually agree with both both of you, Andy and Pete, on that. And I'd like to perhaps add a little bit to that from how, how I tend to look at things. I look at there's, a, there's both expanded awareness and focused awareness. When we are here in these bodies, in this world, we're experiencing what is known as a focused awareness. We are very much aware of our five senses, you know, our, our sense of, of hearing, of, see, of sight, of smell, of taste, of touch. And all those different senses are, help to add to this particular focused awareness that we have. In terms of spirituality, we're still connected to a much more expanded awareness. So for me, that expanded awareness is being able to 
feel beyond being being an empath myself and being somebody who who does a lot of energy work i read and work with emotional energy i tend to look at the expanded awareness as as an awareness of the energetic aspects of who we are not just the physical aspects but also the energetic aspects and that ties directly into the the spiritual perspective as well so 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 i i kind of don't see the two as being separate it's merely where is our attention? Is our attention on more the more focused awareness, or is our is our attention on the expanded awareness? The expanded awareness does, of course, include this particular experience that we're having right now. And, and Simon, I just add, for the sake of wherever you are, for myself, ten years ago, I would have thought this conversation was a couple, you know, Pete and Appy or just nut jobs, right? <laughs> um, like I said I, earlier, like I, I with depression as a kid, I had multiple suicide attempts. I hoped death was the end. Um, mm. I didn't think there was anything. I didn't want there to be anything else. I just wanted everything to stop. But I've come to I've come to believe and accept that that's, that simply isn't the case. And so there is not. You know, I used to have a fear of more of living than of than of death, kind of as Pete said. You know, I, I was also ten years ago, I was in that exact same place. I mean, I was just like very fearful of death. I was very fearful, period. I was I was afraid of everything. Hell, I was probably even afraid of my own shadow for that matter. And you know, just this this incredible journey that I've been on when I finally realized that you know what there has to be something else. There has to be something more. And I came from a background of of having grown up in a very deeply religious family. And um, you know, going through, you know, ha- dealing with multiple mental health issues as well, such as, you know, depression, bipolar disorder, anxiety and all those things. There's a whole cocktail of stuff. Um, even though I never went as far as, you know, the, the suicide attempts, I nevertheless had to occupy that space myself of having, of being in a very, very dark, uh, dark space and fearing death greatly, really fearing death greatly. To be where I am now, honestly, I, I never, even as recently as seven years ago, I never in my wildest dreams would have ever thought that I <laughs> would be doing what I'm doing now and thinking the way that I think now as well. The funny thing about limitations and fear, at least from my experience, is that once you really start studying it for what it is and start stepping back and not, not allowing yourself to be in the, in the space of where fear is focusing you strictly on the fear, but you can kind of see behind this. It's almost like you see the wizard behind the curtain. You start realizing that fear only has like a few controls and buttons. And no matter what this new situation is, you start recognizing the same buttons being pushed and the same knobs being turned and the same dials. You, you start recognizing similarities between each time that you're fearful of something. And you start really, it's almost like a game. I almost see it sometimes as like a gamekeeper that's like, well, I almost see it as like this alien force. It's like got this panel of buttons up there with you on it. It's like pushing these buttons, trying to make you react in certain different ways. And and after a while, you can start kind of picking up on those things. And once you do that, you start seeing really the fallacy of fear. And I don't want to like this. I don't want to make anybody feel bad that has fear because, I mean, we all have fear. Shoot, there's still times I'm completely fearful. But I'm just saying as you become more mindful, you can start seeing like the the I guess I'd say the games that fear really plays with you and how it tries to control you. And once you get to that side of it, you can really get out of that fear mindfulness so quickly. And, um, you know, anything can change when you step into your own divinity. Anything can change once you step into your own joy. You can see how unimportant, really, not really unimportant, but how powerful you really are and how abundant you really are in this, in this life and how you really are able to call forth 
anything that the, that is, and it's really it really depends upon the meaning that you give it, and how you and how you think of it, and and how you express it, and what you really expect to come to you. So I hope that makes some sense. Have any of you guys heard of Alan Watts? Alan Watts. Oh yeah. Yeah. It sounds familiar. Yeah. I've, yeah. The name sounds familiar. I read one of his books years ago. Because it sounds, um, I've uh, listened to some of the videos of audio recordings of his, and it sounds like vaguely a very similar kind of philosophy to what you guys are talking about. Yeah, and it's not used, uncommon. Yeah, go ahead, Andy. Yeah, I just say that used to drive me nuts when when I was first becoming spiritually aware, and well, that guy's saying the same thing as that guy, and I've heard that before, and all. But then I'm like, well, yeah, it's the truth. So you should be hearing it from a lot of different sources, right? So oh no, no, I'm not saying that it's. I'm not coming from. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, cool. I'm not saying you're like plagiarizing or anything like that. Yeah, no, the, it, it's not uncommon to hear the uh, same consistent theme and the same consistent message over and over again, but expressed perhaps in different ways. Because the person who is conveying the message, the person who might be even channeling the message, if you will, yeah. is the one who is also adding a little bit of their own stamp. Their own personality. Well, I should hope there's some consistency it to it, all right. Otherwise, uh, we wouldn't. It would be hard to believe in it if everyone came out with yeah. different things, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And 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 I completely agree with what you said, Joe. That the theme of truth is perpetual. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so, Simon, is is this fear something recent, or have you just kind of always had this? Well, yeah. I mean, I you know, if you had to put a label on me, I'd say I'm probably like you know ninety percent atheist, maybe ten percent loosely agnostic in some sense yeah. Mm-hmm. but yeah ever since my, like my dad died I've basically I've just rapidly sort of become very much more aware of my own mortality you know mm-hmm. it used to be you know when you're a kid you you know that you're going to die one day but it seems so far off in the distance yeah. mm-hmm. but since you my know. dad dies yeah it, it's uh it's always at the back of my mind now I'm always thinking I'm, I'm going to die one day and, and it might not be pleasant either and that's part of it even though if maybe I died in my sleep, it might not be so bad, but uh, I have come to realize that most people actually don't, you know, die in their sleep merrily. A lot of people, it's a painful kind of death or, or something, or it's a, or it can be just frightening. Even if you know you're going to die, even if you have a heart attack, you have that fear for a few moments. It's, it's over quickly, but it's, I don't know. Maybe I overthink things. Maybe I'm just, because even that, that's, to man that's up, an assumption. Know? No, no, but that like, Anticipating anyone felt during the moment of their death, it's like we're 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 just guessing. We're making assumptions and, and judgments. So you know, what if it looks, you know, maybe the body looks like it's going through something horrible, but the mind's like, oh, good, I'm finally free. I, I just, I, you know, that's the part that I can't pretend to speak to. But. And you know, it's it's a very natural reaction to to ask questions and to think about those things when when faced with that. I myself, my my dad, actually passed away back in February. However, I use the term transitioned because for me, I don't look at death as being death. I look at it as merely being a release from the physical body back to in the wholeness of of. of what is who he is um for me yes i had my moments when i physically when i sensed his physical absence he was very sick for a long time and so i was in some ways glad that he was released from from that physical suffering yet simultaneously i felt his absence i missed him i i had my moments when i shed tears and i thought about you know that that transition i was fortunate enough to have learned to pay attention to my own feelings that also you know being in tune with the with the uh, with the energetic realms as far as as far as being able to read and sense emotions but do you think he's like looking down on you so to speak? oh absolutely in fact he's he's, right. he's 
I feel him his, his presence right now. Actually. And do you all I, share that belief that when you die, there you know there is an afterlife, basically. Hmm. Yeah. Again, a bigger the bigger part of us is what's alive. It's just it's just the body. So it's not some just philosophical esoteric kind of thing you're saying. Well, you know, we die, but you know, we all our life force lives lives on because there's no you know our life force lives on if it's just through fertilizing the dirt. You know. No, I mean, right. I read the Akashic records, um, Apio channels. Pete talks to angels. We I've had enough experiences to prove to me that wow, we don't we don't end. Same. <laughs> I, I can say honestly, personal experiences have have taught me that there is something, and but not necessarily defined in the way that society has defined it, that organized religion has defined it, or that institutions have have defined it. Um, there is it, it, usually an individual experience. It usually takes an individual experience, and, and the way that I was able to find my path and, and, and tap into my own conclusions, if you will, would, was by simply paying attention to the, my own feelings and paying attention to the feelings I could feel sense from others. And that was, that was my path. And I found that oftentimes that, that tends to be the, the softest path, if you will, to being able to open on oneself up to those possibilities. Hmm. If that makes sense. Simon, can I ask you, and you do not have to answer on here, what what was it that, that either you didn't say to your dad or your dad didn't say to you? And you don't have to answer here. Is there something that you um, are seeking? Yeah, is, uh, well, do you know what? It's funny you said that. I mean, I don't think there's any particular, but uh, I definitely, uh, I do have regrets. Uh, when he was ill, you know, he got cancer and that, and you, you know how ill people get and um, I, I don't think I like uh, spent enough time uh, you know to be honest I kind of avoided uh, you know I did obviously go and see him but um, compared to like you know my mum and my sister who were there like every day I found it quite uh, selfishly you know I feel selfish right I found it really hard to see him in that state and um, I do kind of wish I had gone there more often <clears throat> because I look back and I wonder if he I'm sure he probably understood but yeah that I do yeah I do have regrets about that yeah yeah, yeah I, I feel his energy all over me right now and, and definitely he wants to tell you that that's that's all as well it's interesting that you asked that because you were you, yeah there's some truth in that yeah mm-hmm. I don't know how you, how, how you could tell that man that just a stab in the dark <laughs> I don't know how either. I don't question. <laughs> That's a big thing. That a lot more peace comes from not trying to figure out why anymore. Right. Just right. trust what you feel and yeah. be willing to feel. Do you, is that a common thing? Do you think, do you think a lot of people could do that? Maybe don't, don't visit as oh, much as they should. For that the biggest reason. thing for an intuitive when it's your, when it's your dad and you, you grow up, it's so, you know, they're stronger than you. You see them as a tough person and that, and it's just, it's selfish, you know, I wasn't, you know, I should have been more manly. You do the, you do the very best job that you can, Simon, from where you are. You do the very best that you can do. And that's all that you can do in every single moment. And this was the hardest thing for me here a long time ago in counseling about my, um, about my molester was that, he was doing the very best he could do in his moment. And that's, that can be a hard thing to hear about others and for us, but it's, it's something that can really let 
let you let help you to let go of things when you realize in every moment you're doing the very best job that you possibly can with the information that you have, with the resources that you have, with the outlook that you have on life, that you've done the very best you can. And holding yourself in that energy of should have, could have, would have, you know, in that in that I really dishonored him by not being there for that him in that moment. He knew how you felt. He knows how you feel now. And you know, he, that's what he's trying to really just, I mean, I just, I'm getting shivers all over my bed. I know Appio is getting something as well. And, um, cause I can feel it even extending there. And I, and I know, I know I, I can see almost this little pinpoint coming right through Andy, right through the top of his head. So I don't know what he's getting, but I know that all three of us are like channeling something at this very moment, but that's just really important for you to, for you to know, Simon, is that, you know, it's about forgiveness of yourself and my God, how incredibly loved you are right now at this moment. Um, you know, uh, you'll see me shake. Yeah, thanks, yeah, I really appreciate it. Call in, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Nobody is judging you to the level that you are. <laughs> Guarantee it, right? And when you recognize that, it's easy to let that go. You're like your, your dad is not above looking down, going, "Oh, you should have visited." Like he's like, relax. Just, the, the, the best message you can take from anyone's death is like, "Wow, I, it's time to really embrace my life if I haven't yet." Right? right, it's not about being afraid of right. anyone around. Any like my dad is battling four different types of cancer right now, but I have it doesn't even cross my mind that oh that's where I'm going to be headed. Like it doesn't even no that's not my journey. I don't like so. There's no fear attached to seeing him um, struggle or pass. I know that that's his ride. It's, it doesn't have to be mine. And so your dad's end does not have to be your end. And certainly your judgment of how you dealt with that. It is not something that that needs to plague you like it's like it seems to be doing right now. Yeah, judgment is a, is a very very human thing. I can tell you personally from you know my own experience that I <laughs> I continue to judge myself in many ways, and um, it, from the perspective of source, from the perspective of especially especially those who have transitioned. They have absolutely no judgment whatsoever. They they literally go back into a space of absolute, pure, unconditional love. And whatever was there, whatever whatever conflict, whatever challenges that have, may have been existed in, in you know when when in the physical state are literally released at that time. I cannot begin to tell you how frequently I have had you know, oftentimes when dealing with people who have those unresolved conflicts with, with uh, transitioned loved ones, that the message consistently is, it's okay, all is forgiven. All is forgiven. And there is nothing to that you need to beat yourself up over. I, myself, seek your forgiveness. I hope that you will no, no, forgive yourself in the process. But that is a very, very consistent message that comes through. Were you guys all raised in like Christian households as a kid? Not me. I was. Ra I thought I was an atheist because I was raised without religion. So, um, for for me, I mean, I guess my my grandparents went to church as a societal type of thing, so it was more of a status symbol than anything else. So there was no true religious background. I would say for me, although we were just very small. Sorry. I've what was that, Simon? 
Sorry, I said, so it's like your, uh, your family paid it lip service, so to speak. My grandparents, nobody else did. <laughs> for me, for me, it was very much a lifestyle. I, I was actually raised Mormon. And, you know, for, for Mormons, it isn't just having a set of beliefs. It is very much a way of life. And I grew up in the center of Mormondom. I actually still live in Salt Lake. Well, I moved away for a while and I moved back to Salt Lake City, but I, near, I live near Salt Lake City now. And, you know, the influence of, of the LDS culture, LDS is how the Mormons refer to themselves, is still very much around. Um, even though I no longer, uh, believe those things, even though I no longer, uh, I, I've left the church myself, it was a hugely influential factor in my life and what contributed so much to the personal fear that I felt when I was when I was growing up. So, yeah, I did have quite a fast-growing religion in the UK at the moment. They actually, mm -hmm. uh, they've started, um, like you can see them canvassing on the streets quite often these days. Yeah. In the past yeah. sort of decade, they've come over to the UK where there used to be practically none in the UK, but... Yeah. Yeah. In fact, um, it's, it's interesting to see how the, the focus on different areas of the world has changed over time. Um, in the very, very early days of just no quick history lesson here, surprise, religion and spirituality. Um, the Mormons, most of the people who came here to Salt Lake City who sold Salt Lake were originally from the British Isles. So there, in the very, very early days, there are a lot of missionaries who went there, brought over a lot of people from the British Isles, but also from Central Europe, uh, for instance, Switzerland, Austria, Scandinavia as well. So those were most of the people who, who ended up here in Salt Lake City and settled this particular area. Then, as you mentioned, there, there you know, wasn't as much of an effort there. But they don't have anything to do with like, yeah. um, at the Amish, do they? That's totally separate. No, totally separate. <laughs> Totally separate. Although there there are quirky little things that definitely could be, uh, you know. To the Mormons, they use modern technology. They don't mind using modern. Oh technology. yeah. Oh yeah. Very much so. Very much so. Yeah. In fact, you'll find you'll find them. That's a double credit card machine, probably right. Yeah, oh yeah. Except credit card payments. <laughs> I, I jokingly call it the Corporation of, Church, of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints <laughs> because it's run very much like a very well run business. <laughs> Do they make their own money? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Indeed. And do they have the same business set up as all the other ones where you have to make a mega church and give loads of donations and stuff? It's very, it's similar and different at the same time. That's a, that's a whole other show <laughs> that we could talk about. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it's, it's very well organized. They do a lot of good. I will say it. They do do a lot of good in the world. But uh, there's also other things, you know, which oftentimes come from institutional dogma, what I refer to. Not, and that's why where I draw a difference between being religious and being spiritual. Because being religious means that you also have you know, a certain set of dogma that you adhere to. And that dogma so is very restrictive. Um, no, no, I consider myself to be very spiritual, but I definitely do not yeah. see, see, I do not define God in the way that, uh, traditional no, any of ways the books, of I don't think so. any of the books to me, God, I don't know, God could just be the, whatever the, the laws of the universe are, could, could be God in a sense, it depends how you define God, but to me, I don't think God, there is any kind of a conscious super being that makes decisions and stuff that for me, I don't know, I don't think so. That's too, it's unlikely, isn't it? I can understand how the antics of certain institutions 
and I would say American evangel evangelism in particular can contribute to to uh, people walking away from religion entirely, becoming agnostic or becoming, uh, you know, atheist. I can certainly understand that, and, and and especially when it's portrayed in a very very negative light, the way that it is. However, I can tell you, you say you talk to angels, yeah. And uh, Pete does. Well, I can too. <laughs> I don't necessarily now, channel the angels. Just imagine me playing devil's advocate, right? Yeah, because I respect all you guys. Yeah, but me playing devil's advocate. How do you know, whoever you think is you're talking to, that's an angel? How do you know that's just not a super advanced alien or something like that? You know, that's fooling you, tricking you. It's interesting you ask that question because I've begun to be able to differentiate between the energies. Uh, this started happening for me about nine months ago, um, where I, you know, I actually kind of sort of alluded to it when I was talking about the idea of fear and seeing that panel with the buttons on it, because that's actually what I see. What, what I see, and I, I actually saw it for myself one day. It was very fascinating, and that's what really kind of got me on the other side of fear. So what I would say is, um, our bodies are an amazing uh, monitoring system for ourselves. I know. For me, I, all I can speak of is my experience. My body never lies, and my body is very responsive to things. So how my body responds around people, around energy, around concepts, I listen to, because that's, that's actually what our body is built to do. And so it's about, um, it's about when you take in the concept of an idea or a thought or a belief, how does my body react to that? And that's oh, Ayn Rand. Yeah, I um, ah, yes. I used to read. Yes, I used to be a big uh, Ayn Rand fan at one time. <laughs> Absolutely, but it's it's really based upon you know the the concept of truth. And to me, there is a whole truth, which is all that is. But each one of us has our own individual truth that I think is constantly expanding and and, and changing. You know, as we go through our life journey. So it's about realizing what you truth is and for so many people especially down here in the deep south i hear things coming out of people's mouth that isn't their truth it's somebody else's truth that they told them and you can just instantly tell by the way they express it because one amazing thing about truth truth never has to argue because truth just is <laughs> so when you ask me how do i know it's from the angels because it always makes me feel love. it always makes me feel light it always makes me feel expansion it may be telling me something that i need to be more of or, or need to do but it's always coming from it's never coming from a side of judgment like you aren't enough it's always coming from a side of you can do this and it can be even better you know what i mean that's so it's always like this gentle nudging in a direction like almost like a, a father or a big brother, an idealized one, you know, would do for you rather than somebody like, like a, like a bad teacher being like, you know, you're not doing this right. It's never like that. So it's about coming more in tune to that, uh, how that really makes you react or feel, I guess I'd say. I, I believe I that there is alien life. I'm sorry. Do you believe in alien life? Do I believe in alien life? Uh, I believe it as I conceive it. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm just going to go right out there on the, on the edge. And I've had this conversation with a number of different people. Now you're really going to think I'm a wacko. I don't know that we aren't some type of alien experiment right here on Earth. Some concept yeah, yeah, yeah. from some different dimension. Who knows? I mean, we could, so, it could be so easy to You know, uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. But, 
it's it's the whole it's especially down in the and the reason I think I see this this way is from this microcosm of where I am where people really are trying to put God in this box and it's so interesting to me of how can you put all that is into a box why would you even want to so um, I allow myself to we were an experiment by another race of aliens like you said yeah essentially possible you know they would be our gods in a way right in, in, a, in a way they are our gods you know it depends how you know when they wrote the bible and that they couldn't even conceive the idea that they could be well races, you know, they wouldn't even the way i the way i look at it is you know there's some people that read the bible and they say well the earth is only three thousand years old and to me the concept that if if the, the the way the Bible says that life is, if it took us billions upon billions of years to be here, that shows to me more love from God than it took billions of years to get me to here than three thousand years. I mean, that doesn't make me feel very special. I've never understood why. Um, I've always thought it, it's you can be uh, you can believe in that the earth is millions of years, billions, trillions of years old, and be a Christian at the same time. Because at the end of the day, God is is the answer is God's responsible for it all. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. So what I'm what I'm saying for you is is I don't really worry too much about the concept of what was the mechanism that got us here. That really, to me, isn't all that important. It's simply that. We are here, and we are here to live. We're, we're here to experience the now. We're here to help expand. It's very interesting, So you can't blame people for content because it's a wonder. Do I'm sorry. I, I didn't hear what you said. Do it now. It's very interesting, though. You know, wondering why, how we got. So you can't blame oh. people for wondering why. It's sure. Oh yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I think that's part of our human nature is to explore and to question and to always seek more. That's that's what makes us live is that, you know, so many of us uh, uh, really judge like desire. We judge like I'm always wanting more. Well, that's why we live. That's why we expand. That's why we grow. That's why we have more babies and buy bigger houses and try to learn new things. And, you know, it's because we want that expansion. We desire these new things. We we seek new knowledge, you know, and that's that's what opens up new doors. If we just kept regurgitating the same thing over Did and over again. Now, Pete, some people are now using the Bible um, to try and push forward the narrative that the world is flat, and they're quoting the Bible, saying that the Bible says the world is flat, and that, Gee, that it says that there's a dome over the because it's like the firmament is meant to be a glass dome, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I, I've I've heard of that one. I'm like, well, I think I think that you know they they did the same thing uh, 600 years ago. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Have you seen any of these videos, Apio? Have you seen any of them? The flat Earth videos, the new ones that come. It's like a new conspiracy craze. Yeah, I, I no. have I have seen little things here and there, it, but it, I it's interesting, bothered. right? Now I don't I don't bother buy into either. It's interesting. Some of the arguments they give are kind of you know. Hmm, yeah, there are interesting arguments, but then the trouble is it always seems to boil down to, when you listen to them for a long time, it's because they're a fundamentalist Christian, and it ties in with some kind of very Old Testament you know, thing. Yeah, they quote these things about saying that basically, yeah, that the other the apparently Whatever your beliefs, so whatever your beliefs are, are going to look for and find evidence to support your beliefs. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what it would be. Yeah, that's, yeah. You'll always find evidence. It's human nature. Until <laughs> <laughs> so you get to the point of you like to prove yourself wrong, and, and like to expand yeah. in that way, 
then some of their arguments are hilarious right as to why the earth must be flat they say uh, like take a glass of water you'll notice like it always goes flat like that you can't have a curved water the thing is you can when a, when a droplet falls through the sky it goes into a curve right? it goes into a ball a sphere a droplet of water doesn't it so it's not out of, out of you know comprehension to imagine that would happen in space you know it would be a sphere anyway <laughs> I think that's a fascinating uh, example of how it really is about, like Andy was saying, what we focus upon. You know, we have that particular activating system in the base of our brain that decides what goes into our processing center because at any one moment we're, you know, we're surrounded by billions of points of data, all of which we can't process at one time. So our reticular activating system finds out what's important to us and picks those pieces of data that surround us and puts it in our processing center. And the reticular activating system has no concept of what's good or bad or gives no judgment to any points of data. It simply decides what's important to us by what we're focusing upon. So that's just a pure example. Those people are so darn focused on this must be true that that's all they can see. <laughs> yeah. See, which is this one? That's what they put on tobacco products in this country. Oh, wow. Oh, lovely. <laughs> yeah. But it's not working for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and Simon, what 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 um, what habits do you have? Something I just keep hearing this. There's some type of habits or something that you are portraying that were your father's. There's certain things that you do almost in a way to honor him. What is it that you do that? Um, and I can't quite put my grasp on it, but there's you know there's 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 so many messages. Not really, I, don't think I, could, I can't really honor. Um, we're very different people. He was quite devoted to. Hard working family, and, you know, mm -hmm. I have sort of uh, been a lot more lazy in my life, a bit more of a waste, really, to be honest. With you. So I don't really, I don't think I do anything to honour him. I've got things in common with him. <clears throat> he he did like he did like a drink, you know. Mm -hmm. He did like a drink, but uh, you know, he, he he still went to work every day. Man, good job. But, mm -hmm. I think he did drink a lot. Like after he died, my mum told me that yeah, he was a drinker a lot more than I even realised. He would hide it quite well. He would never come across particularly drunk, you know. So, mm. but apparently he'd be drinking like <clears throat> like two bottles of wine like per night regularly. And that's quite a lot, really, isn't it? Yeah. Well. Yeah. I yeah. I'm not going to judge it. <laughs> Maybe a doctor would. <laughs> no, no, I mean, everyone's got a bias of some kind, you know. I tried to be an alcoholic for two years and it just didn't stick. So, you know. <laughs> well, that's good, isn't it? <laughs> uh, interesting. Yeah, but um, there's... There's there's something yeah well I, I guess what I want to really say to you I, I you know I've tried to organize my thoughts around like I get sometimes so much information I try to stream it around what would be well and I'm just asking you this for your own for your own sake so that you can put it in your own head there's there's things that he wants to show you there's ways that he wants to show you he's there for you so what I want you to do is to start being mindful of things that rec that remind you of him in your daily walk and and start asking. Start asking him in his his energy to reveal things to you. And one one thing I am going to say is that no energy is lost. So I believe the truest part of him is what you want to connect with. But every stage he's ever been at, every time that he was sad, every time that he was angry, every time he was whatever, is still there and you can still access it. And I have 
access that part of people for other clients. And that's what I've really tried to stop doing. So what I really want to say to you is I want you to, I want you to start asking the question of, you know, uh, of him to start revealing himself to you and start, you know, showing you, I, I think right now more than answers, you just want to kind of just know that he's still there. And um, if you can start becoming mindful and conscious of it and start asking start allowing it to be there, then you can start seeing. I'm always reminded of um, that movie uh, with, um, uh, oh gosh, uh, what's his name? I can't, oh, this is so terrible to be on library and not able to, but there's a scene where this guy is asking his deceased wife to tell him whether or not this one woman is right for him or not. And the chandelier is spinning around and the, and the, and her, and her, her, her picture flies off the wall and he says, any sign, just any sign. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> we can become so unconscious of, of I think uh, the divine's, attempt to connect with us. So that's why I really would like for you to do, if you can, to start um, asking him to reveal himself to you and to be open to that, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it's just hard for me because I, I really, I don't believe, to be honest, I don't think he's there anymore. I think it's just when we die, it's all over. And you can absolutely challenge spirit. I challenge spirit all the time. I have come to Jesus meetings with spirit all the time. I'm like, if this is real, and if you're going to make me put my name on this, you better show me something, and you better show it to me now. You know, and if I have a major decision to make, I'm always asking for three signs. You know what I mean? So challenge it. You know what I mean? I mean, God's up to the task. He ain't scared. You know. <laughs> and just be willing. You don't have to believe it. Just be willing. Right to believe something else. Be willing to be wrong in your beliefs and just give that little space for a different experience. Mm. And a big thing as well is to, you know, let go of the definitions that you've been given and get, and open yourself up to a definition that works for you. Because truthfully, our relationship with the divine, if you will, our relationship with the universe or, or, or the zero point field or however you want to define it is ultimately going to be something that you yourself end up defining. And that you yourself gets to create for yourself. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like so. spirit world is something. So it's such a. It's not even like religion. You know, religion is something. It's it's written down and it's like right spelled out to people, indoctrinating people. But right. spirituality yeah, right. is something. It's like you've got to believe it for yourself. And you've got to. It's a personal. Like you've got to experience it. Maybe <clears throat> you can't just believe it. Like you guys can't just believe it. Because you heard other people say it and like, when you think it's a nice idea, like, you must really want to believe it. It's experiencing that you're more than a body. That's absolutely the way. Mm. But when I, you know, when I got started, God triggered me. I just thought, because I, I grew, didn't grow up with religion, so I thought, you know, someone said, God, I saw an old man in a chair in the sky. Like, that would seem ridiculous. So I'm gonna me, tell I, you I, all, just, I focused on source. Can I tell you all an experience I had today? So yeah. somebody revealed themselves to me about who they really truly are. Cause you know, so many times when we meet somebody, we, we, you know, there's always this empty field. We don't know about them. And then we just like to fill it up. We like to fill it up with the stuff we like. Oh, I'm going to put glitter in there. And I'm going to, you know, and it may not be the truth. It usually isn't. So this person revealed themselves to me to be who they truly are. And I was really mad about it. And um, I have Pandora on my phone and my Pandora automatically connects to my car as soon as I turn it on. And there's this little commercial that always comes up on Pandora talking about this guy, Dan, that has a car and that he's an idiot. As soon as I turned on my car, my phone started immediately syncing to my car and the car, I heard out of the speakers, he said, it said, he is an idiot. And then the music started. I mean, this, what I'm saying to you, Simon, is these things happen over and Whoa. over and over and over. 
and over. Yeah, no, I have a so so many coincidences happen every day, but I just never think it's right. Means yeah, it, well, it, it finally gets to where you're like, okay, I hear you. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, and that's and, and see how easy Simon it is to discount those things and just say, well, it's just it's just random, oh, and eventually it's going to happen. But I, I grew up in a godless household, in a godless country. Hmm. You know, I'm from the evil empire. So the evil empire, very exciting. I've been indoctrinated. Oh, like indoctrinated can we go? Since birth. Yeah, yeah, you. <laughs> I want tickets to the evil empire. It sounds like fun. Sounds like that's where all the parties happen. Right. Because <laughs> angels love to party. I am not kidding. Angels love to party. And they have very foul mouths at times too. Yes. I don't ever cuss until I'm channeling. Is that not true, Appio? And that's so true. I don't cuss. And so if you hear me start using cuss words, they are really adamant about getting a point across. And I'll, I'll even turn like, why did I just say that? You know, so, yeah. They, are, oh, yeah, they, they can have some very explicit-filled uh, dialogue. Yes. <laughs> they love to have fun, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. cool. They do. Well, Especially Archangel Michael. He's, he's a total, he's a riot. We've been going, we've been going for about an hour, guys. What state do you live in? Yeah, so... I'm sorry. Uh, what state do you live in? Me, I live in Alabama, North Alabama. Alabama. Mm -hmm. oh, nice. <laughs> nice. So we're going to wrap this up. We've been going for an hour. Um, Simon, thanks for calling in. Uh, yeah, man. Let us down nice the cool road tonight. I followed you guys anyway, so. Oh, that's great. Nice, thank, thank you. you. Really no, I appreciate yeah, all the kind words from you guys as well, man. That's, thanks for that. Yeah. yeah. Just be nice. good to yourself. Mm. That's the last thing to say. Cool, man. All right, man. Be well. Peace out, guys. Take it easy. Bye. All right, take care. And uh, well, Pete, that we went down roads I did not expect. So uh, I think Always. we'll have you come back again, right? Okay. Right. Hey, you invited me on. Yeah, we'll have another topic. We'll, we'll have you come on. <laughs> and uh, everyone, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back live next Tuesday, 5 p.m. Eastern. Um, and we actually, we have a, another guest next week. Um, he's a grief coach, Franklin Cook. We're going to talk about suicide, hope, and grief, and uh, you know, might prove to be a big continuation of where we were today. Right? Yeah, it could, it could vary. Over. So, so uh, join us on Facebook, um, Real Men Fields Facebook. Uh, we've got RealMenField.org, which is not a full site yet, but it's a great place to find information about this show, future shows, the Facebook group. And uh, Pete, where can people learn more about you? I go to theangelencourager.com. Cool. And Apio, what's the best place to find out? Best place to find me would be on apiohunter.com. In fact, I'm typing it in right now to the comments. There you go. For Pete, it's the – oh, Pete, Pete, you're going to type that in for us? Perfect. Done. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Ugh, thanks again, everybody. <laughs> and we'll see you next week. Awesome. We'll see you guys soon.